Welcome to Rough Drafts, How God Writes His Love in Our Stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell, and in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Not all of our guests run a zoo, but this week's does. We were just running down the list of animals she has in addition to her herd of children and, well, one husband, I think. There are... 42 chickens, there are goldfish. I'm fairly confident she has a llama and a she-bear somewhere in the mix. She is a lab tech. She was in Leslie's classes back in the day, and somehow she's still here to tell the story. (laughs) Today's guest is Kayla Welch. Kayla, welcome. Hey. How goes it? Good. I'm glad to be here. Are you really here? I am. A little nervous, but other than that. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Well, you know what question I'm going to ask you, don't you? Yes. So what's your God story? Huh. Um, I I guess I'll start back from when I was a kid. Um, we went to church some. It wasn't every Sunday, every time the doors were open. Um, but my dad always made sure to tell me about God. You know, um, two things I always remember him saying Nothing in life is free. Work hard and trust God. And so that's what I did. Like I said, even though we weren't in church every Sunday, I can't tell you, I can't quote the Bible. I mean, even some of the children's Bible stories, I can't really tell you by heart. Um, But God was kind of for lack of better words, for me as a kid, was like my imaginary friend. You know, kids always have imaginary friends. Yeah. Um, So that's what he was to me. I remember my dad telling me when I was younger, he'd be like, you were just, he he would laugh because you're always just talking to yourself. And But I wasn't. I was talking to God. I'd be outside playing because mama would always be like, go outside until dinner time and get out of here. (laughs) Right. So if I wasn't playing with any of my friends at the time in the neighborhood just seeing what I could get into around the house exploring the backyard and sometimes the woods even though when I wasn't supposed to but uh well we won't tell you dad (laughs) this is our secret (laughs) but um yeah I would talk to God just like he was right there my imaginary friend and if somebody asked me to describe God um he would definitely be a feeling, um, feeling of fullness in my heart, because that's the way I always felt when I was talking to him. And that's kind of the relationship that I still have with him. It's, I guess, more childlike. Um, like I said, I don't have the background of knowing the Bible back and forth and all the children Bible stories, but somehow I feel like I have a tight relationship with God. 
I think there are a lot of people in the world who can quote a lot of scripture, but don't have a relationship with God. Right. And if I had to pick one, <laughs> I would rather pick what you have. I mean, the relationship with God has to be the priority. Right. And I think, I mean, he's always been there. I've had probably three or four big moments, transitions in my life. Um, the first being when I was a senior in high school. Um, it was 2009. Um, I had actually started dating Taylor. Uh, <laughs> and that's when everything changed. No. no. <laughs> um, and the economy was bad. My dad had his own concrete business and we lost everything. Lost truck, um, home, oh. the business. Um, I remember, I think it was, we had to be out. I found out at the beginning of November in October, and we had to be out by the end of November. Oh, that's hard as a high school senior. Yes. I mean, it's hard for anybody, but. Yes. And honestly, one of the things I remember my mom doing, it was very important for her, for me to have a senior picture. And, um, of course, you have them made, taken when you're a junior, right. the summer of your junior year. So they were already taken. And we had a bucket, a five-gallon bucket, and we rolled changed. And me, her, and my sister at the time, my sister had came over to visit, and just so I could get the wallet size of my senior picture, because that was just very important to Mama for me to have. And honestly, that's what we lived out of was that five-gallon bucket of change. I remember rolling it, make sure I had gas to get to school. Um, and kind of fast forward a few months, I, my birthday's in March, I turned 18 in March and trying to navigate, we did move. Um, my grandfather had passed away and so temporarily my parents went in his house, uh, but not to get into too much detail, but my dad got very depressed. You know, Greer had touched on his podcast about mental health. That was um, a big thing in my life then. Uh, what you just shared were two huge triggers, uh, loss of a parent and the the economy and the loss of the business, the loss of the home. I mean, there's a recipe for depression right there. Right. And... Um, and my dad, um, he had always been honest with me and he had, he has drank alcohol since he was 12. Yeah. And that was one thing he always prayed that he always called it a curse. He, that he prayed that I would never do that. I would never get that curse. The curse would stop with him. And I have, I've never had a really a desire to drink. I have a drink on an occasion, but, um, but with that being said, with him being depressed, the drinking got worse. You know, he just would normally just have a beer or something after work, but. One turned into two, two turned into four. Right. And it, 
my dad um, was like my best friend. We were very tight. Um, I've played softball since I was five years old. Um, I'd go to work with him on job sites since I was five. My mom said pretty much since I was big enough to carry my own pull-up, you know, I, I went with my dad. And uh, so that was hard. I felt like I lost my best friend and I didn't know how to save him. I didn't know how to save anything. Meanwhile, I'm playing uh, softball at the time. And that was my life. I mean, I had hitting instructors. I had pitching instructors. I had team workouts. I had a personal, I had pretty much my days were planned out. And that following summer, I played every weekend. And uh, people talk, you know, with that being said, I'm I'm playing softball. I'm, I'm trying to live a normal life. But it's hard. You don't really have a place to go. And with my dad getting worse, I didn't want to be home. Um, My mom, she's one that she kind of had a rough life, I think. And so she was more of a recluse. She didn't drive. She didn't work. She just took care of me growing up, um, stay at home. Um. So with my dad kind of spiraling a little bit, she kind of didn't know what to do either. And I I didn't want to be home. And at the time, we're, I'm still dating Taylor. And I'm over their house a lot, top of them Barry's house, pretty much all the time after school. I'm going over there. And uh, it got to the point that I was over there so much that Tabitha was like, listen, I don't want you driving late on the road. You either need to go home earlier or just stay, stay the night. And just kind of happened. My dad at this point has completely spiraled. Um, He ended up in getting DUIs and in rehab. Uh, my mom's just trying to make it. Like I said, she doesn't drive. She doesn't really. I'm trying to think of the word. She's she's kind of stuck in this too. Right. And she's always been kind of a recluse. So she has no money, nowhere to go really. Uh, and I'm trying to finish out my senior year, get to all these practices and everything that we had to go to. Um, and so I just kind of moved in with Tabitha and Barry, but it wasn't like, okay, this was a day that I officially remember moving in. It was just kind of a slow... kind of happened. kind of happened. Yeah. And... With that being the understanding, and rightfully so, I remember Tabitha had told me, you know, at any point that my boys feel uncomfortable, you know, I mean, me and Taylor just started dating. We didn't know if we liked each other, much less love each other and are living under the same roof. Yeah. You know, I, you'll have to leave. And again, I, I completely understood that. And 
So just trying to find my place. feel like the whole time God was with me. Um, I feel like people are put in your life for a reason. I actually have this quote on my phone that I read a long time ago, and it is always stuck with me. It says, there is a purpose for everyone you meet. Some people will come into your life to test you, some to teach you, some to use you, and some to bring you out bring out the very best in you. I believe Tabitha and Barry and Taylor were to bring out the very best in me. Um, I don't think if I moved in with them, I would have been able to go to college. Yeah. Um, Tabitha helped me apply for all my FAFSA so I could get scholarships to go to school. And it actually turned out, thankfully, and this was a blessing you know, so many kids end up in debt from, you know, tuition, college tuition. Between my softball scholarship and my other scholarships, I got paid to go to school. Oh, that's awesome. Because I started out at Columbia State and where the tuition wasn't as high. And so I would use my refund checks to eat off of and gas. And if my mom needed something um so that was another blessing there and trying to think um it's just a big deal you know navigating that FAFSA stuff is hard if everybody's in one house and everybody is an excel spreadsheet nerd and has their tax records right it's hard for anybody, but if your dad is in a dark place and your mom is not, that's not her thing either. The fact that, that God used Barry and Tabitha, you know, their intervention in this story, I hate to be nice to Tabitha where people right. hear it someday, right. but not going to hear this. But I mean, I, I don't want to be dramatic. It would have been really easy at this moment in life. You, you went to where you got paid to go to college, which meant you had food to eat and classes in a future. It would have been really easy for this to have gone the other way where you have nothing. Right. And you're on the street. Right. And it's funny that you say that because, you know, a lot of people, you're driving down the road or driving in Nashville. I work in Nashville. And you see people under a bridge or at the stop sign. And... It's very easy to be like, oh, well, that's probably just a drug addict. Yeah. Or that's just, but it could just be somebody that life happened. And I think about if it wasn't for Tabitha and Barry, they very well could have been us, you know, me. And so every time I see those people, I don't always stop because you don't know, especially with kids in the car. You don't know. And there are a lot of if, folks who have those issues. Right. You know, you don't know what's safe. And I don't want to put my kids in an unsafe situation, but I do always pray for them. Yeah. Because God has more power than me. Absolutely. And I know that he can help them. Absolutely. But you're not just looking at them, but oh, what a junkie. Right. You're thinking there, but for the grace of God, go I. Right. And I just... I don't know, it's hard, because like I said, I, I know that I very well could have been one of those people, in a sense. Um, 
And meanwhile, like I said, I'm, I'm playing softball in the other part of this quote is um, some people are there to teach you and some people use you. And I, some of these people that I had played with, um, that I'm going to tournaments with or whatever, because my parents couldn't go, obviously. Um, you know, they would say things to me, oh, well, you're like a child that I didn't have. You're my other child or whatever that whatever along those lines and I would always take that with a grain of salt now if people say that because these people who claim to be there um and I was the greatest person uh it was like when I didn't do the one thing that they thought I should do um I wasn't that person. And so softball was kind of a big deal for a lot of these people. And, you know, I'm just trying to get life together, yeah. much less worry about a game. But this was more than a game. There's a lot of to people them. who don't have much perspective when it comes to that. Right. And I had played every weekend. And I had wanted one weekend off before I'd started college. And again, being away from my parents because I'm having to just room with other people because couldn't afford just a room for myself. Yeah. And uh, we were at a supposed to go to a tournament out in California, and I just didn't want to go. Yeah. Um, didn't have the money to go. Yeah. <laughs> Much less, but. Uh, fly out there anyway because I, I felt pressured and it a girl that I was rooming with her parents weren't out there either and she said you know I'm just really surprised you're here and I said why she's just the way they talk about you and I mean even like their parents talk about you and I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, because I thought these people are like, these are like second parents to me, yeah. you know? And it had gotten into some pretty personal stuff. Um, she was actually going to be my roommate at Columbia State because she was, she played softball also. And she said, yeah, they come up to me and are like, man, you're really going to have to make sure Kayla does all our school stuff and takes a bath and... Like, I mean, even personal hygiene stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, do they not think I can take care of myself? I'm yeah. doing pretty fine, you know? Yeah. And, of course, it was, I mean, spread that, you know, my dad's nothing but an alcoholic. And uh, it's just a lot. And when you're all the way across the country and you want to be home, you know, I'm with these people. I have, yeah can't just fly home I don't have the money to just fly home and get another ticket and you find out they've been gossiping about you and I'm just kind of a stupid country bumpkin I guess that has nothing um because as long as you'll play some softball right it's full but if you can't play good softball you don't mean anything right and um because some of these people they they had money and it that crushed me 
Um, I think, and I think if it wasn't for God, then my relationship with God, then either I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. I had no self-worth. My self-worth was shot. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, Dixon's a small town anyway. And these people were actually weren't even from Dixon. They're from Franklin and other places. And, um, I do remember one time my dad calling me and he said, are you quitting school? No, I actually got on the Dean's list. What are you talking about? Oh, well, I heard that you were quitting school. So it was going around that I was quitting college. I think some of the things where I was pregnant and me and Taylor were going to elope somewhere. Um, Cause you know, now I'm just uh, shacked up, I guess with Taylor and some things where I was on drugs. It's amazing uh, what you can learn about yourself. Right. You know, really just, you know, I don't, you never know. And I have found out from a lot of people what I have meant in my sermons that I, I didn't know that's what I Right. Meant. I'm like, oh, just find out something new every day. Crazy. Yeah. And at that time, yeah, it, it, it's funny now looking back, but it wasn't that oh, it crushed me. Yeah. It absolutely so crushed me. And I mean, I, I can look back at it and laugh now because you know what? I, God did put those people in my life for a reason. Um, that taught you some lessons too. It did. It taught me lessons. And like I said, I, if, like I said, I, I don't know how to describe God other than a feeling, a feeling of goodness and fullness. And I think if I didn't feel that in my heart at the time and knew he was there, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, and at the time too, you know, I'm, getting used to you get past that a little bit and getting used to living with other people just like they're getting used to living with me and top of them Barry had two teenage boys now all of a sudden they got a teenage girl living in their house and and that's a whole transition that's a transition for them you know there's another child they're taking care of you know I know bills are going up and uh and I mean, you definitely took longer to wash your hair than Shad did. <laughs> Shad, yeah, Shad and Taylor just, you know, with a washcloth. Sorry, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, and even Taylor, and I look back at it now, it's crazy things that you look back on that you never realize happened. Until, you know, you had asked me to do this podcast and I got to reflect it on different things. And one of the things I remember praying for when I was younger was I didn't want to just play the field. I didn't want to date a bunch of guys. I wanted um, one of the first people that I dated to just be the guy that I married. And Taylor was. Taylor was the first guy I ever dated. And... um uh, we're complete opposites in every way, every way, but we balance each other out. And I think God, I knew I needed that. I'm a worrier, a stressor. Hiller's very laid back. Um, and 
at that time in my life, he was very much a security for me. And to the point that I'm sure it was hard on him. I was probably driving him crazy. You know, my whole life is chaos. And I wanted to be with him all the time because he was the only security I had here. And which, which made it hard at first, you know, you're trying to learn how to just date each other, much less live in the same house. Yeah. And, and much less live in the house for the reasons you're there. Right. And I think I'd asked him, you know, this is years after we had been married and, you know, how come he never asked me to leave? Because I know he probably wanted me to. And all he had to do was tell his mom, you know what? I just, yeah, this is uncomfortable, you know? And he said, because I knew you needed to be there. Mm. And, and I did need to be there. And this is not to put my parents down by any means. You know, life happens. But my dad had been to be in and out of jail, DUIs, and rehab eventually. And my mom couldn't take care of herself. And I just needed some stability. Yeah. And, um, and even my dad says this now that Tabitha and Barry were the parents that I needed and um, he knows God put them in my life for a reason he yeah he everybody asks you know what well, does he have hard feelings and do my parents have hard feelings and I they don't like I said they they knew that I needed Tabitha and Barry they knew God put them there for a reason it's awesome put Taylor there for a reason um I don't know if any other guy would have had the patience that Taylor had because like I said I wanted to be with him all the time yeah and like I said we had dated let's see lost our home in November that following March so roughly four months we have dated all of a sudden we're living in the same room yeah. Again, you don't even know if you like each other, much less yeah, yeah, yeah. love each other, and boom, here we go, you He's know. Not the 37th guy you've dated either. Right, you know? you know, and yes, and being your first love, you're it's different, you know, you're a little more clingy, and, uh, but God knew I needed him, and I think God used me um, for him, because when we had dated five years before we got married, but when we decided to get married, I I think Shad and Michelle started coming here first, yeah. and then so me and Tabitha started coming here, um, and I decided that I wanted you to marry us. I didn't know you very well, yeah, so we had just decision, <laughs> um. But I had went to Taylor, and Taylor, I don't think it wasn't that he didn't really believe in God. Taylor had a lot of questions. Um, You know, if God's here, then why does all this bad stuff happen? You Legit know. questions. Yeah. So um, if God has all this power, then why do, you know, people go through them what they go through? Right. And I think probably even seeing my situation— 
you know, with my parents and me, you know, well, if God's so good, then why would you go through that? Um, so I asked him, I said, you know, you don't have to go to church. I said, one, if we do have kids, I will raise them in the church. That was a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, he, he was fine with that. And I said, I, I would like you to meet the preacher that's going to marry us. And he agreed. So he goes that Sunday. And I don't know. You just caught his eye. <laughs> but it's funny that following Sunday, I'm getting ready for church. And you expect him to go by myself. And he's getting ready. And like, can I come with you? And I'm like, No. Yeah, <laughs> like, what? You know, it just totally threw me off. And so, yeah, I, w- I want to go. And um, I think he had talked to you some more about different things and about some of those questions. Yeah. I think I remember him coming to your office and talking to you about different things and um, talking about some of that stuff. Yeah, and I, people put another situation of where God puts people in your life for a reason. I think you were that for him. And he felt comfortable talking to you. And that following Sunday after we got married, so it's actually all nine years tomorrow. Oh, wow. Wow. I haven't put um, that together yet. Uh, that he got baptized. Of course, I didn't know that he was going to be he, him and Barry Bow. Um. They did it together, and it was just like, wow, you know? It was something that I had prayed for, but, you know, I wasn't going to force somebody, you know? I was excited for him to just come to church. Yeah. Must list that following week. Get baptized and with his dad. Right. So let me tell you a story. I don't think I ever told you about that. Um, I had done several weddings kind of back-to-back. It was a busy season of weddings, and Mm -hmm. I was— uh, frankly, sick of them. <laughs> um, just because, you know, by the time you have a reception and a rehearsal, right? you know, you, it's a lot. when you're the minister, I, you eat up a long weekend for people that they're friends, but we, like we weren't close at all. Right. We had just kind of met each other. Right. Know, like, and so I'd had, I'd had several weddings that year and I was just kind of, I told Leslie, I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about just not doing weddings anymore because like, you know, she's like, can you do that? Like, I don't know. I mean, there's only one way to find out. And I, I'd been thinking about that for a couple of weeks. And it wasn't That's like funny. something that went wrong of yours. You know? Right, 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 right. It's real clear. But then uh, that Sunday after the wedding, when they both get baptized, I'm like, all right, God, I hear you. <laughs> right. I don't, get, like, I don't get to quit weddings, do I? <laughs> like, okay. Like, okay. So, yeah, read you loud and clear. Uh, That's crazy, yeah. though. I, I, I didn't know I that. No, that I didn't know that. So you're the reason I'm still doing weddings. Oh. <laughs> Thank well, you so much. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. I always tell people I like funerals better. <laughs> right, right. Just one and done. There we go. No, but you guys had a really cool wedding. I mean, you know, outdoors, the barn, the horses, the the, the whole nine. Right. It was, it was beautiful, but it wasn't... Um, it wasn't obnoxious. Right. Yes. No, I'm very, very much a simple person. I think even with my faith, it's like I said, kind of a simple childlike faith. You know, like when I was younger with the God was like my imaginary friend. 
Um, I know we had did a lesson several years ago, Simply Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed that because that's kind of me. And like, so that was my wedding too. It's just. I'm going to, I'm going to grab the phone and call for help because someone just referred to a sermon I preached like nine years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a little lightheaded. You know, I I think I might. I do listen occasionally. I do listen. Yeah, but like, I don't even remember that long ago. (laughs) And I freaked out. That's wow. That's wow back. I think because that one hit me. Um, like I said, it wasn't that I just had went to a church every Sunday and this was the church we went to and I was a Baptist or I was a Church of Christ or I was a Methodist. Yeah. I just, you know, everybody's like, well, what are you? And I was just, I'm a Christian. I don't want a good answer. You know, I don't know how else to answer that. <laughs> Wes Boker just started as the jail chat one. I think you know Wes. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he told me this story and I love it. He was in the jail and he was going around kind of meeting meeting inmates, meeting staff, and one of the inmates came up and was kind of surly about it. He goes, what denomination are you? And Wes said it was one of those, he could tell there were going to be a right answer or going to be a wrong answer to that question. <laughs> and Wes stuck his hand out, shook his hand, and said, I'm easy to get along with. Right. <laughs> I went, what a great answer. Right, that, that is. Like, I, I have said, to remember I that. I like it. I like you. You're going to be one of the good ones, aren't you? <laughs> you know, I, love, the, I have yeah. to remember that. That's just a good answer. <laughs> that's how I'm going to start trying to answer that question when I get it. Uh, I get along with everyone. Yeah. Easy to get along with. That is. That is definitely a good answer. I'm going to have to steal that because... Mm. I told Wes, I said, I wish I knew how you came up with that. Right. Well, you you have talked, you mentioned that you had three or four kind of big moments, and you talked about the loss of your home, mm-hmm. your dad's business. You talked about moving in with the Welches. You mm-hmm. talked about um, kind of the moment where you realized your friends weren't really your friends. Right. Uh, and you talked about the wedding and the baptism. But the crazy thing is, like, your story's nowhere near over. <laughs> no. Because these last few years have been eventful. Yes. My life is eventful. It's okay. Um. So, let's see. It's twenty twenty three, right? Yeah, I got. I think so. I think you know what year are we? What month are we yeah. in? So, uh, March of twenty twenty one. Um, I was working still in Nashville at the time, but I was working blood assurance, and I was on my way to work. And of all mornings, for my phone to die on my way to work and not have my truck or car charger. I get to work and I plug up my phone and I get a text message from my dad. This is emergency. And he, at the time, he's in Iowa. He worked, he's working on the pipeline. You know, this is fast forwarding several years. You know, he started working with the pipeline and um, that's just not my dad. You know, so I'm thinking either somebody's got his phone because, you know, pipelines are known to blow up. They're dangerous. Yeah. Very um more often than people realize yeah. or, you know, he's had a heart attack, something's happened. And so I call and he's squalling to the point I can't hardly understand him, but I had made out, um, I think your mom's dying. I need you to get to her. And, um, so hang up the phone, you know, I'm basically running out the door. Uh, I called Tabitha because I knew she was at the house at the time with the kids. And my mom, of all times, for her not to go on the road with my dad, she stayed in their camper out at the RV park in Dixon. And my dad had been gone only about two weeks, and she just didn't want to go this time. And, But it was probably a blessing that she didn't. Um, 
the ladies that she would normally have coffee with, um, every morning they came and knocked on the camper door. She didn't answer. Um, they came back uh, about an hour or so later, knocked again. She didn't answer. And they're like, something's not right. Yeah. So they go get um, the person over the RV park and they go in the camper and she's face down in the floor. There's throw up all over the camper. She's turning blue at this point. Um, of course, they immediately call an ambulance. And I didn't know if they were taking her to Horizon or Natchez. I assume Natchez. But Tabitha had left the kids with her mom and she went to try to figure out where my mom was. And I'm driving like 90 on the interstate trying to make it back to Dixon. And uh, Tabitha called me back that she's in Natchez. So I pull in and they're basically saying, hey, we're, we're fixing a flyer to Skyline. Okay, so I'm signing for her to fly. They had intubated her already. Um, they said, you can go back and see her for a second, but as soon as this helicopter gets here, we're, we're going. We're moving. And so, um, went back and I, it was just surreal to me. It just like, I'm in a dream and this is, I'm going to wake up at some point. You're looking at her. She's got the tubes down her throat and, um, I kiss her and, walk out the door and my dad um he's driving from Iowa um to get here and um I watch the helicopter land they load her immediately I'm going back 90 back down to Skyline and uh come in and this is the time of COVID, steals a big thing too. So you can't just always just go in a hospital like you normally can. And so I went up to the desk and uh, to mask up and everything. And one of the nurses, I think, just yanked me back because they knew who I was there for. Yeah. And uh, they're wheeling her to the OR and they're explaining what they're fixing to do. And they're like, we got to go. And so... I was very thankful for that nurse at the time because we shouldn't have been, it was me, my sister, and Taylor, and we shouldn't have been allowed to stay in the hospital. Right. And he said, I'm just going to sneak you up to this waiting room. And he said, but don't don't tell them who put you up here. And I yeah. said, okay. And we waited forever, hours. Um, The surgeon comes out and... He said, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a doctor that sugarcoats things. And and being in that medical field, I can respect that. You know, um, sometimes I'd rather you just be honest with me. And he's he's drawing layout of the brain on his scrub pants leg. And he said, basically, um, it's like a bomb has went off in your mother's head. She had an aneurysm that ruptured, but it had ruptured so bad and so fast that it shoved her brain completely to one side of her head. And he's like any, a person in good health would most not, most likely not survive it. Um, But she, you know, so she was a smoker, very much a heavy smoker. She had high blood pressure. Um, She wasn't in good health and she's 60, 
162. Um, so she so had, she a lot had of risk all risk. the odds against her, basically. And um, it's not really registering to my sister. Um, and I just like, okay, it, it doesn't look good. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to upset my dad. He's, you know, again, he's coming from Iowa. He finally made it later that night. And um, we're still just waiting. I mean, because now at this point, the surgeon. Let's see if she wakes up. Right. Because the surgeon's like, at this point, when a bomb goes off, you have to wait for the debris and everything to settle to see the damage that's done. He said, all we're doing is waiting, you know, and he said, this is going to feel like a lifetime. And it did. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't actually let my dad in the hospital because I was already in there. And you can only and you could only have one designated person. So it wasn't like you could swap out. Yeah, I remember those times. So you had to have the one person for the whole visit. Well, I'm going to let my dad, obviously. And. I remember kissing her and holding her hand and when they finally got her in a room because I knew that was the last time I was probably going to see her. Yeah. Because the only way they were going to let us back in is if she was dead, basically. Yeah. Um, and my dad relied on me a lot for the medical stuff that he doesn't understand. My parents, it's not like they had a a living will. They didn't have life insurance. They didn't have any of that. Um, so doctors are asking all of these questions, you know, do you want a DNR? Do you want this? Do you want that? And of course my dad's like, at all odds, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I want everything. I feel like being in the medical field, sometimes it's a blessing and a curse when something yeah. happens because you kind of become that medical person too, instead of just a family member. And you you're know, like, some of that stuff looks like, and you know what the odds are. Right. You know. And you're like, I don't think she needs to go through CPR if something happens. Cause you know, they're trying to explain to my dad that, you know, the, this, it really isn't looking good. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to pull her off a ventilator. And there's only so many facilities in Tennessee that would even take her on a ventilator, maybe two or three. And in that world of COVID. Right. You're not going to be able to see her. You're not going to be able to go in a building. And I, I didn't want my mother to be a vegetable in a room that nobody could go into ever. Um. So me and my dad had, I remember us really arguing one night because he just kind of thought it was my lack of faith. Well, where's your faith? You know, everybody just wants her to die. And that wasn't the case. I just was looking at reality versus... With the information you had in front of you. Right. Um, and I knew Mama never wanted to be in a nursing home. I didn't know that. And honestly, like I said, I never even thought she would have came out as a ventilator. But I remember that night praying... You know, I, I always was told, you know, don't really kind of test God. Yeah. But I think the one time I, I did, I was like, listen, you know, we're obviously not going to come to a decision here. This is too hard. And if she's going to wake up, I need her to wake up. And if she's not, I need you to take her. Like, that was that was my prayer, and that was it. Make like this, Make this decision, God. Right. You know, um, 
literally the next morning, they let me come in there because we were supposed to talk to the doctor about decisions that were made, what we were going to do. Were we going to kind of just let her go or what we were going to do? And I walked in the room and she opened her eyes and immediately asked me where Killian and Ivy were. And it was just like... And I mean, at this point, with the amount of damage her brain had taken, they were thinking she wasn't going to wake up. No. But if she did... She they didn't even have they, speech. She wasn't going to have breathing. Right. They didn't think she would ever get off a ventilator because yeah. her lungs were already horrible anyway from all the smoking. Yeah. And um, so it was just like, okay, that's all I needed. Now I know. Now I know where to go with it. She's here, and, so let's fight. Okay. Yeah. And it was just like, okay. And she did. She made um, full recovery. She did. Was in a nursing home for a while. Um. And that that was hard because I couldn't go in there. I remember like Mother's Day going up to the window on the outside of the nursing home and like holding up a sign. And she still to this day doesn't understand what COVID is or really remember what happened. So at the time, she was just like waving me to come in. Like, why aren't you coming in? That's weird. Why won't my kid come see you? Right. And I'm just like out. And it, of course, it made me feel so bad for other people in the nursing homes that felt like Nobody was coming to see him, and in reality, nobody could come in there to see him. But she did. She made a full recovery and um, is on the road with my dad, you know, pipelining. And and they actually are renting, just as of last week, their first home that they've had in 14 years. Oh, how cool. And our address of the home we lost was 108, and this address is 108. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of a restoration story. Yeah. So... And then I guess the the most recent transition would be Oakley, um, who is fixing to be six months next week. That's a spoiler in this story, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, what a journey you guys had. Yes. that I was very much blindsided by that. Um, I'm having growth ultrasounds because she's measuring big. And so you have frequent ultrasounds when that happens. And uh, I go into my OB's office and she said, I got contacted by a high-risk OB who wants to see you in his office within the week. Oh, that's why? You know, it's like, why? That's never a good thing. You know, when you have to go to a high risk doctor, that's there. And when they call you, so he called, he somehow saw the ultrasound and he called my OB and was like, I need her in my office within a week. And so the right and left ventricles of her brain were swollen. Um, and he had actually told me when I went to see him, that's rare especially in girls. It's like one to two a year in the world. Like, you know, so Oakley being the overachiever she is, yeah. you know. Um, and I remember sitting there thinking, okay, you know, here we go. We can, we can do it. We can get through it. And They start talking to you a little bit more. They take the measurements, and he's like, okay, well, in a month, you'll come back. We'll take more measurements and see which way it's going. Um, yeah. If 
we get to a certain number, it's considered a hydrocephaly, and you've got probably have to have a stent put in and things like that, um, or worse, and or it could go the other way. Um, they didn't know, and probably two a week or two before my second ultrasound of measurements I see my regular OB and she's just or we kind of had an okay vibe before like you know we're gonna get through it it's okay she had a totally different vibe that appointment it was just like we really don't know and are you on anything for depression do I need to be on something for depression you know it was Well, have you talked to Dr. So-and-so? No. Is he telling me something? You know, have y'all communicated and you realized that he hasn't told me something that he's fixing to tell me? You know, it was kind of like, oh, I slipped up. She's like, well, just to be honest, we just, she said, I've never seen this. And I just don't know which way it's going to go. You just got the vibe of, I probably need to be planning for a funeral or preparing for the worst. I mean, she wasn't saying that, but that's the vibe I got. Right. And so at this point, Taylor's tore all to pieces. Mm-hmm. And and Taylor's usually the calm one. He's usually the rock yeah. um, out of the two of us. But he was so tore up, um, more than I've ever seen him. I think we kind of shifted roles. Again, you kind of take on that medical role. And I think I did this with my mom, too. You, I'm usually the one that panics and worries and all this stuff. But I think if when it comes down to it, I, I can fl- be that stronger person. There's a kind of a clinical detachment where you have a job to do right. and do the job. Right. And so... After that appointment, I remember us sitting at Applebee's and I texted you um, because I knew you knew Tarma Marvin. And I just wanted, in case I needed to, to go ahead, you know, would you be that person to help me get things lined up? Yeah. In case, because that that's the way I was looking. I didn't want to say that in front of Taylor. Yeah. Um, I remember the text well. Cause and it was just like. Bricks. I mean, it's not every day you get a text where. Someone says, will you help me plan my unborn baby's funeral? Right. And I think in my mind, I was already just preparing for that. Because if I did lose her, I knew mentally I was not going to be in a good state. So I needed to do it when I was thinking a little bit clearer. Front load while you can. And um, we go... Um, to the next set of measurements and it had went down maybe like a half like 0.5 not very much it didn't get worse but it didn't really get better right um but it was like 0.5 in the right direction i guess you could say centimeters millimeters i don't know how they measure that but um can't remember now um and just like okay well i mean it's least better than what our last appointment was yeah 
you know, so we're just kind of treading water here. And so they had said after I had her, when they finally let me have her. Because um, you went into like pre-labor 400 times. I did. I, I had 10 ER appointments. <laughs> um, 10 ER appointments before. And they still didn't even want me to have her then. But my blood pressure was so high. They're like, you have to have her. Well, at that point, your blood pressure was so high because it was your 10th trip <laughs> to the ER. <laughs> right. You know, it was just like. And through this whole period of time between the the pre-labor, the ups, the good news, bad news, good news, bad news, this thing was a roller coaster. Yes. It was like one minute, it's going to be fine. The next minute, no. The one minute, we're fine. And I don't, I don't necessarily think the doctors were on the same page. Yeah. And I think that's what made it worse. I'm not sure that I think some of our early testing doesn't just do far more harm. Than it does. Right. Right. You know, just the amount of terror it causes. Right. And because honestly, when I, they finally let me have her, they did an ultrasound. And it's completely normal. And she and is totally fine today. She's totally fine. Praise and God. I always, you know, you've got the little bur- red birthmarks and some people call them stork bites. Um, I've also heard them called angel kisses. And she actually has a huge red birthmark on the back of her head that covers both her left and right ventricles. Oh, how cool. Oh. So I, I always... that part before. That's yes. cool. So I always call that that's her angel kisses, that she came and she's here and spunky as ever and hitting all the milestones because that was another thing. They're like, well, we don't know how the swelling would have affected her brain until maybe she's missing some milestones. They're like, we just... It was a lot of I don't know. Yeah. And... Um, but like I said, I mean, she's eating food before she should, you know, they're like, well, she don't need this. I'm like, she's hungry and she's eating it and she's fine. You know, she's trying to crawl and smiling all the time. She's probably the happiest baby I've ever seen. Always smiling. The other part of her story that I just love was midway through all of this, you made a decision too. Yes. Um, and it kind of was a a mirror image of an earlier part of your story. Yes. I think um, at that time, I think I'd kind of become bitter um, in just with life in general. Working in the medical field, stressful. Just life was stressful at the time. And um, I just wasn't in a good place. And where I feel like God used me to bring Taylor closer to him in my darkest hour. Taylor, or God used Taylor to kind of renew my faith. And um, he baptized me, which was actually kind of cool because, you know, I'd asked you about wanted to be rebaptized and... um. You're like, I think it would be really cool if Taylor did it. And I'm like, oh, can Taylor do that? Like, that's really cool. Well, Taylor's like, can I do that? For a moment, I thought Taylor was a little bit mad at me for suggesting. No, he was just like, can I do that? And I was like, if the preacher says you can, I think you can. So he was he was very excited. It, was, it made him feel so good that. You know, I, I know we're not infant baptism people, but knowing that baby Oakley was there. Yes. In you, in that moment was I know it wasn't a guarantee, 
you know, I be, I know that sometimes God allows bad things to happen. Like, right. That that day didn't we didn't stand there in front of the church and say this story is going to have a happy ending because we right. know. But it was a moment of faith and faithfulness and hope that was it was a really cool Sunday. <laughs> yes. And I think that was, you know, after Taylor baptized me and I hugged him and that was probably one of the best feelings I've ever had. Um, You've had some stories. Yes. Ah. So, I mean, I guess I don't have just one definitive God story. I just feel like God's been here. I haven't always been as faithful as I should. And Who has? You know, I, I life gets crazy with three kids and 40-something chickens and a miniature cow and a donkey and two goldfish and what else, two dogs and a tortoise. Let's all think that. You have a tortoise? Yes, I have a tortoise. Yeah, never mind. Yes, and I'm only getting more. So, you know, three kids and Taylor. So my whole zoo crew, um, you know, sometimes I stay fast on the yeah. fast pace and I probably, I need to slow down and yeah. talk to God and pray more, but. What I love about your story is the constant. Um, your imaginary friend wasn't imaginary. He was real. Right. And he's been here every bit of the way. And I love the way that you have pointed us to him when things were good. And Barry and Tabitha gave you home. Yes. When things were scary, when things were just downright mean, when things were really happy. And each step of the journey, you pointed us the same direction. And that's a really cool thing about your story I've really enjoyed. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you for having me. And friends, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, if you, uh, you really probably just need to get to know Kayla Taylor. That's all, that's all there is. <laughs> come to visit it. my zoo. Their phone number is. Just, you know, I won't do that. <laughs> come to my petting zoo. But, uh, come get to know them. We've enjoyed our small group together for a long time. Uh, it's been it's been pretty special. Friends, thanks for listening today, and I hope that you'll join us again next Tuesday when the next episode drops. Uh, you can find us anywhere that you can find podcasts. And until then. I can't wait to see what God writes in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.